Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, these stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right, it's unjust, and Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out, or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE, or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer, they will help you out. I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine that you're a city and I'm a city. All right, we're separate cities and we hate each other. We are enemy cities, ancient Greek type stuff. You're Athens, I'm Sparta, because of course I'm going to have to be Sparta. But that's besides the point. We're, we're opposing cities. 
and you believe your philosophy is freedom. That's what your philosophy is as a city. And that's fine. That's cool. Good for you. That's a good philosophy. Obviously, that's the one you want, isn't it? My philosophy is different. My philosophy is much more of a government-controlled philosophy. Okay, well, you're not that concerned about it, are you? Live and let live, that's your philosophy, and you're all about freedom. I, I, I want some government control. And you think, oh, that's fine, just keep your government control over there. But remember, I'm all about government control for everyone. You're about freedom for you. I'm about government control for everyone. And so your city, what do you have out of your city? Same as any other city. You have roads. You have plenty of roads coming and going, roads coming out. And I start setting up checkpoints at roads outside of your city. Just just a couple checkpoints here and there. First, I mean, it's, it's small, isn't it? Well, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm just checking IDs. Where are you coming? Where are you coming from? What's your, what's your business? You know, that kind of stuff. And then you wake up one day, because these things happen slowly over time. You wake up one day, and it's more than just questions. You find out, I detained somebody? My, my city people detained some people? To say, detained some of your people? That's weird. Okay, well, that's concerning. Should we do anything about it? And really, you don't want to do anything about it. Remember, you're living, let live. You're freedom. You're all about freedom. And you wake up another morning, and... I've done more than detain somebody. I've just flat out stopped one of your roads. And then on another one of your roads, I'm detaining lots of people. I didn't like where they were coming. Coming from, I didn't like where they were going. I didn't like their answers to my questions. So I just decided to, to start cutting off your roads, start detaining your people in your roads. But you're about freedom, remember? I'm about control, you're about freedom. Well, let me ask you something. How long do you have to sit and watch that before you realize you're going to have a very, very serious problem on your hands if you don't actually do something about me? At some point, you're going to have to. You know that, right? And I realize I just want to stay home and just sip on a little beer and have pizza, watch the game. I get, That's me. I get it. Me too. But at some point... It may be time to realize it's time to do something about it. You see, my little story is only a slight exaggeration because you only have so many roads in and out of your brain. You do. You can only consume so many things. I realize this is the information age where you have endless TV shows, TV channels. Thank you for watching the first. Appreciate it. Not that I'm surprised you'd watch me, but we do appreciate it. You can listen to only so many things. You have options, right? Your phone, it's a phone that gave you a thousand different websites, a thousand different TV channels, podcasts, radio shows. You can consume them all, but you don't have the time for that. You only have so many. And so what's the route so many people have chosen? They've chosen the obvious route. That's social media because it's the easiest route. Even this TV show. Every day, I do an hour of TV every single day, Monday through Friday. You know, you enjoy it. Well, we put up smaller clips on social media, and those are the ones that get just absolutely consumed. Hundreds of thousands of them, millions of them, consumed ravenously. People, because there are options and because there are busy, because people are busy, have turned to social media to consume their news, to consume their information. Well, 
All right, those are your roads now. Those are the roads inside of here. The other side controls all of them. All of them. Wrap your mind around that. They've controlled all of them for some time, and they're seizing more and more control. It's gone from checking an ID, where you're coming from, where you're going to, to get out of the car. Here's some handcuffs. Oh, you're not welcome anymore. You're gone. You're gone. You're blocked. Oh, you believe what I believe? Oh, you can go through. You can say and do whatever you want. That's what's happening right now with social media. What people are struggling with on the right, and I fully admit I am one of these people struggling, what people are struggling with, it's what exactly we can do about it, what exactly we should do about it. We've had this discussion before. Let's have it again briefly, and let me tell you, this is insane if you really think about what it means. Joe Biden very well might be president of the United States. He might be president-elect soon. He's not yet. He might be. Probably is. Okay, okay. Let's, let's go off of the fact we think he probably will be. Joe Biden was the Democratic nominee for president of the United States. We really only have two choices in this country. I know there are third parties. I, I get it. But one of those two guys, Trump or Biden, are going to be president. One of the two people running for president, the nominee for the Democratic Party, he had a scandal leading up to the election. A huge scandal. I'm not just talking about his son enjoying the nightlife a little bit too much. I'm talking about business ties between Joe Biden and communist China. We're talking a huge story with witnesses, not paid Republican operative witnesses. Remember Tony Bobulinski? We're talking lifetime Democrat witnesses, former partners with Joe Biden, producing emails, producing text messages. We're looking. It's here in black and white. We had this story come out. And whether you think the story is relevant or not does not matter at all for my, port, for my purposes today. What is relevant is this. The New York Post broke this story originally, and credit to them. The New York Post broke the story Big Tech suspended their account immediately for breaking a news story about the preferred candidate of Big Tech. Not only did they suspend the New York Post, they blocked anyone else, you, me, anybody, from sharing said story. I still can't fully wrap my mind around that, what that means for the American public but it is really bad because whether you're on social media or not, just understand that at least 3 billion people or more are worldwide. It is huge. The leaders of society are on it. Corporations are on it. Presidents, senators, congressmen, dictators. Around the world, foreign policy is being conducted on Twitter. I know that's horrible. Maybe it's insane, but it is true. The power of it cannot be denied, and the people who hate you control it. That is not good. That's really not... Setting the Biden-Trump stuff aside, what does that mean for the future? What does it mean? Doug Collins had this to say. 
Well, as one who's regularly has been censored by Twitter, it doesn't surprise me. Look, they, we've seen this coming up to it. We've seen them trying to, to move the election. Everything that remotely resembles a question, a legitimate question about this election is being tagged with some kind of a statement at the bottom. Look, they don't like the president. They never liked the president. They did not want him reelected. We had proof of that with, from Google and Facebook and others all throughout this that we've been trying to expose that most media never would touch. And so it doesn't surprise me that they're going to try and spin a narrative that everything was fine. It's just like the Secretary of State in Georgia. Everything was fine, we were told, until all of a sudden we started finding ballots, and then there becomes a problem. So yeah. we've got to continue this fight. Martha, you've been asking the right questions. we just got to continue to make sure that this is open and transparent so that Americans can have uh, trust in their voting system. Right? Did you even talk about post-election? Post-election, all these things out there, videos, witnesses, sworn affidavits. I, I saw fraud here. I saw fraud there. I don't know how much of it there was. You don't know how much of it there was. There sure does appear to be a lot of it. Anytime anybody, including the president of the United States, Donald Trump, references any of these things, it's met with a little, little asterisk at the bottom. Oh, this hasn't been verified. We're allowing them to seize all the roads in and out. How do you think that ends? This is the phone of yesteryear. This is the way people consume news and communicate with each other. If we allow the people who hate you and me to control it, we don't have much longer to go. I am grateful for, for people like Senator Ted Cruz. I will say it's dismaying listening to the questions from our Democratic colleagues because consistently the message from Senate Democrats is for Facebook and Twitter and Google to censor more, to abuse their power more, to silence voices that Senate Democrats disagree with more. That is very dangerous if we want to maintain a free and fair democracy, if we want to maintain free speech. There was a time when Democrats embraced and defended the principles of free speech. There was a time when Democrats embraced and defended the principles of a free press. And yet there's an absolute silence from Democrats speaking up for the press outlets censored by big tech. There's an absolute silence for Democrats speaking out for the citizens silenced by big tech. Instead, there is a demand, use even more power to silence dissent and that's a totalitarian instinct that I think is very dangerous. At the same time that big tech exercises massive power, it also enjoys massive corporate welfare. Through the effect of Section 230, a special immunity from liability that nobody else gets. Congress has given big tech, in effect, a subsidy while they become some of the wealthiest corporations on the face of the planet. How about that? Our own government has taken their side. If it feels to you sometimes like everything is working for Democrats, well, I want you to understand that's not in your head. The entire system we have, big tech included, is working to elect Democrats. Doesn't mean we go home and suck our thumb, but it does mean we got a lot of work to do, including with big tech. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We got a great show for you tonight. We'll be right back.
Joining me now with the news and why it matters on Blaze TV, Sarah Gonzalez. Sarah, I, I see you've done some interesting things with your studio over there. Yeah, uh, it had a baby and uh, can't always make it into the uh, professional studio. So here I am. Congrats again on the baby. I hope your husband's okay. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he didn't go through that much, so he's fine, but thank you. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm, doing, I'm doing fine as well. Thank you for asking. Uh, okay, good, good. I'm glad to hear Sarah. All right, now, I'm assuming your baby pictures didn't get censored on Facebook. I say I'm assuming because, Sarah, I don't even understand how they make the rules anymore. Is it just they're looking for any excuse now? I'm in this place where I'm just assuming my permanent suspension, it's coming any minute. Yeah, no, um, it, it, I'm actually shocked that your suspension has not already arrived, Jesse, with, uh, with as much as you <laughs> post. But I mean, it's true. You never know what is going to get you in trouble. Um, you never know what kind of facts you could be putting out there on Facebook, on Twitter, on even Instagram that will get you deleted, get you banned. Um, I know Facebook and Instagram, they're owned, you know, by the same uh, entity. And it, we see this all the time. I mean, I, I remember not too long ago, I posted a video that I made about uh, transgender children. And my opinion was that it is child abuse. Well, that got taken down for hate speech. And so you see all of these little, you know, the minutia that they use to be able to say, well, this violates our platform because it's hate speech or this violates our platform because it's quote disputed you know now that twitter has started using it well these claims are disputed and so they use these little nuances to try to get around the fact that they are absolutely censoring conservatives voices and uh you know it's a it's a very scary problem because you're looking at a problem of big tech censorship but you're also looking at a problem of big government overreach and uh, meeting in the middle and trying to find the right path is is going to be tricky especially with the uh abject failures of leadership that we currently have Sarah, looking forward, and I'm going to make a big assumption here, and I realize what they say about people who assume, but I'm going to assume that we're unable to rewind anything, that Joe Biden's about to be president of the United States for the next four years. What I'm hearing from people who agree with that assumption is they're very worried about what you just talked about. The, it's not just that big tech's left. It's not that all the government, especially the government employees, are left. It's the merging of those two worlds. People on the right feel like they're about to be completely surrounded. Are they? Yeah, I, I do think that it's a legitimate concern uh, because, you know, you have uh, big tech, which really is operating as an arm of the Democratic Party. And so you have an arm of the Democratic Party who is controlling the speech, who is controlling what information gets where. I just read uh, an article that Facebook, after the election, started making sure that the news, uh, the news outlets that they determined to be authoritative news outlets were taking precedence, taking priority in people's news feeds, so they're only going to see the news that Facebook determines to be authoritative. Make of that what you will. Uh, and so I do think that conservatives, especially, you know, outlets like yours over at The First, outlets like mine at Blaze TV, I think that there should be a legitimate concern and we should be raising the alarm on the left just completely taking advantage of the fact that they have this arm of the Democratic Party working in their favor. How far do you think they take it? I, I will tell you, over the last four years, with a Republican as president, 
they've been very, very bold. Remember, they were censoring President Trump before they knew he was going to, or before they thought he was going to lose the election. They've been very bold. They don't seem like they're at all in fear of anybody doing anything. So I can only assume they're going to get real bold under Joe Biden. What interest does he have? Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think that, you know, you have to look at how far they have gone. You have to look at two things, uh, how far big tech has gone and how far the government has gone just this year, Jesse. I know you know, as well as I know, how far the government has gone in being this big government authoritative state. They're arresting people for not wearing masks. They're fining people. They're threatening people for having their families over for Thanksgiving. So if you think for one second that they're not going to use big tech to be able to use that overreach of power to abuse it, to arrest you for making a tweet for misgendering someone, it's already happening in Europe. We always say whatever happens in the UK trickles down to America in a few years. And I think that that's legitimately what we're going to see. And I think as conservatives, we really do need to make sure that we are aware. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that we can't go into this with eyes closed. We have to go into this with eyes wide open and know exactly what it is that we're what we're dealing with. And what we're dealing with is, you know, a, a Democratic Party who is dead set on getting power over all of their people. All right, let's set aside what you think should be done, what I think should be done. Sarah, I, I see I see an ugly, ugly future when it comes to this, because at least, look, no matter what, there are 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump. Even if he doesn't get another four years, I don't think that that version of the right, the modern version of the right, is a lay down and take it version. I just don't know what they're going to do exactly to respond. And frankly, I'm worried where I think this might end up sooner rather than later. I agree with you. Uh, the problem is that I don't know of a better solution when you're talking about these two sides and you're talking about a side that is saying, don't believe your own eyes. We're here to tell you what the real truth is. And a side that's saying, wait a second, I, I just saw these videos of voter fraud going on. I just saw these numbers. I just saw this spreadsheet, this chart that makes absolutely no statistical sense. I just heard this doctor come out and tell me that what you're saying might be true. This doctor who has the same credentials as your doctor doesn't believe it's true. And so you have these two sides that are going back and forth. And I don't see another ending other than what you said, other than it's going to get real ugly before it gets better. Is there going to be any healing I, I, at any point? I realize that we're getting lectured right now by the left who, who feels like they have a win here and now we're getting all the healing and let's do peace and I understand I'm a bad person, so this is why I ask you. I'm not inclined to heal right now. I have no desire to heal. I remember Kavanaugh. I remember impeachment. I remember two years of Russian collusion. I remember Nazi, 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 white supremacist, white supremacist, white supremacist. So you'll have to excuse me if I don't feel like hugging it out right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it would be different if the calls for healing were at, at all genuine. The problem is that these are disingenuous calls for healing that would not be called for if Donald Trump had won the election. This is just the left saying we won and now our version of healing is that we have to take what we want and we get to jam it down your throats and you get to take it with a smile. And unfortunately, that's not what's going to happen. We have a memory that extends from, oh, I don't know, like two hours ago when we were called names. And uh, we know that it's disingenuous. We know that it's false. And I, I don't blame you. I certainly am not going to just heal and lay over and take it. And I would encourage all the conservatives uh, out there to also not just 
pretend to lay over and take it because the problem is that we're dealing with the other side who is never never tells the truth is never you know genuine and they're going to take that if you get complacent with what they say and what they do they're going to take that and they're going to run with it so if you think for one second that they're interested in healing and coming together you are going to be sorely sorely mistaken when they take advantage of that so, with the exception of obvious choices like watching the blaze and watching the first, what advice would you give the average person who wants to try to sift through the noise and just find out some news? I find it so hard because like, it's my job to try to present some form of the truth or at least my version of it. I have a hard time finding it and I do this for a living. How, how, what would you tell the average person? Yeah, you know, the sad truth is, again, uh, like you said, other than outlets like yours and mine and the alternative media outlets that you can go to, the sad truth is, regardless of all of the censorship that's going on right now, social media is still our best bet for finding those those little those little facts out there, those little uh, articles out there, those little videos out there that actually speak to the American people and give them the truth that they're looking for. Now, I'm not saying that that might not change, right? That's probably going to change once Joe Biden gets in office, if big tech gets their way. But as of right now, the best place that they can get their news other than our outlets is unfortunately social media, and it shouldn't be that way. And now, Jesse, I will say this. I think the more that they turn to our outlets and the more that they turn to social media and the more that they turn off the mainstream media, the dinosaur cable legacy companies that are dying right now, I think the quicker we come to a better solution because the longer those companies are out there, the longer they exist and think that they have a handle on the American people, the more they will try to get that fake news out there. So I think that the more that the American people can show that they are fed up with the mainstream media and they are going to turn to other outlets to get their news, I think the quicker we get something that's a lot more beneficial for everyone. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate you. Thank you. Hang on. We got more. Joining me now, my friend Alan Bakari. He is an investigative journalist, but he's also the author of a book, uh, maybe one we all should have read, maybe one you should probably go by right now, because tell me if this sounds familiar at all. His book is called Deleted, Big Tech's Battle to Erase the Trump Movement and steal the election. Alum, be honest, do you have a crystal ball, tarot cards? Are you some kind of biblical prophet? Explain. Yeah, I'm coming from biblical prophet, Jesse, but uh, I have been covering this topic for four years at Breitbart News. And uh, while I don't have a crystal ball, I do have a network of forces inside Silicon Valley who are warning me relentlessly year after year that big tech was absolutely set on swaying the outcome of this election. And, you know, I had hoped that the title, you know, Big Tech's about to erase the Trump and steal the election would not be prophetic. But uh, I think I think it's come true. I think they stole the election before our very eyes, as Topic Paulson said so last night. Uh, we saw it happening. Uh, we got countless leaks, countless smoking guns from inside these companies. We got Google search blacklists. We got uh, their good sensor briefing document. We had sources telling me about how they... How they use, you know, hidden quality scores to downrank conservative media. Confirmed today by the New York Times, by the way, 
Facebook used those schools to uh, downrank Breitbart and CNN in just the last few weeks. So there's just a mountain of evidence. But what really annoys me is that even though we had all this evidence over the past four years, you know, outlined in this book, month before the election, years before the election in some cases, nothing was done about it. All the politicians and institutions that are meant to defend the public interests against, you know, corporate abuses of power like this, they stood back and did nothing while these tech giants subverted democracy. Al, who failed to do something? And I want to know specifically, could Donald Trump have done something about this? Should the Senate have done something about this? Should have this have been an FBI thing? I don't know, but I agree with you. I watched the GOP do a whole bunch of hearings and not a whole lot of anything else. Who should have done what? Well, Congress should have acted. Republicans should have acted when they had the majority in the first two years of the Trump administration. They had the numbers then. If they really wanted to, they could have made all of their lawmakers, the leadership could have made all their lawmakers, reform Section 230, which is the law that is so critical for these big tech companies that allows them to censor without suffering any legal consequences. For the Trump administration, as we know, their agenda, almost all of their agenda was thwarted in the first few years by the deep state, by the entrenched bureaucracy that can just grind government to a standstill if they don't, if they happen to not like the person in office. That was starting to change in the last year. There were some really good appointments being made by the Trump administration. They brought John McEntee to head the personnel office, and he made some great appointments. Adam Pandayan, for example, who uh, one page day free speech also came to Twitter. We had the social media executive board. So things were starting to change, but sadly, the changes happened far too late. And I do believe that Big Tech was allowed to steal this election by suppressing conservative media by system, systematically erasing pro-Trump voices from these platforms, censoring search results. Uh, Google actually censored all search results uh, for Breitbart News on searches for Joe Biden six months before the election. So that went to zero overnight, like they switched a button. That's a clear election. That's just one example. There are so many other examples that I discussed, but it's completely blatant. Alan, before we get to the who, I want you to explain to me why. Why Why are they so anti-Republican, anti-Trump? Is this just a leftist thing? Is this a globalist thing? Is it a, uh, explain to me what it is. I think there are multiple uh, answers to that question, actually. First of all, there is the leftism of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley uh, is buckled in the, the, the woke progressive religion, much like college campuses are. Many of their workers, you know, they're from the Bay Area, they're young, they're just out of college, they've been radicalized. So that's a big part of it. Uh, but also, you know, these tech companies have an interest, I think, the Democratic administration. They have lots of links to the Obama White House, and they have virtually no links to uh, Trump when the air with on the election in 2016. We saw how Google's executives broke down almost in tears in their company town hall meeting that I leaked uh, back in 2018, and they were completely dumbfounded. They had no idea what the Trump administration was going to do. In fact, they state that's one of the uh, quotes from that meeting, that we have no idea what they're going to do because they had no links to the uh, incoming Republican administration. They have a lot of links to the Democrat Party, and we've already seen Joe Biden appointing tech executives to his practitioner. So they have a vested interest there in administration. That's the second answer. And the third, the third, which I think is the most crucial thing, is that big tech, I think the, the, politic, the wider political establishment, the deep state, the NGOs, the mainstream media, 
uh, you know, political elites, they realized how powerful these platforms were in 2016, how dangerous they were to their power by allowing these emergent movements to come out of nowhere and, uh, and supplant them. So that's why I think they spent four years putting relentless pressure on these organizations, activism, through uh, media hit jobs, forcing them to center their own platforms. And that dovetailed with the, uh, the pressure they were getting from inside their own companies as well. Alan, okay, now let's get to the who. I know people look at Mark Zuckerberg and people look at Jack Dorsey and they, they just see these guys, especially on the right, as the faces of evil. And they certainly may be. But I assume with companies of this size, they're not making every individual decision to, well, let's suspend Jesse Kelly yet again today or Alan or whoever it may be. Is it that they have an underling? Is it all their underlings believe the same thing? What, who is it there that's making these decisions? Well, these are vast companies, and in many cases, the moderation people have a great deal of oversight from the CEO. And uh, in some cases, we've even seen CEOs try to push back on what their employees demand. Uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey, uh, they're, they're leftists, they're huge leftists. They've overseen the growth of censorship, the erasure of the Trump movement. They haven't done their job. They haven't protected uh, the digital public sphere and allowed it to be open to everyone. They've essentially presided over the the demise of the original ideal of the internet, that everyone can access it, everyone can have a voice, everyone can compete on even playing field. So they, de they deserve a lot of condemnation for allowing that to happen. But as you say, there are all sorts of other characters inside these companies who are far worse. Uh, I'm told by my Twitter sources that Dale Harvey and Vijaya Gad at the Trust and Safety Department of Twitter are actually much, much worse than, uh, than Jack Dorsey. If they were in charge of Twitter, there'd be even more bad, even more suppressions. Uh, there's a very interesting character we recently covered at Facebook called uh, Anna McIntyre, find out about on Breitbart News. She actually advised Joe Biden on Ukraine policy. She was one of his top advisors before joining Facebook to act as one of their global heads of content moderation. So she was there in that position when uh, Facebook decided to suppress the New York Post story about the Biden family's connection to Ukraine. That's a crazy conflict, and there are so many examples. Alan Bakari, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. Go buy that book. It's called Deleted. Thank you, man. Thanks, Tessie. Great to be on. All right. We'll be back. Joining me now, Alexander Fleiss, CEO of Rebellion Research. Alexander, I'm struggling with what we should do about big tech. I know I want something done. I know it's probably just Section 230, but I know it's unhealthy that the, we have so many Americans consuming social media and the people who hate us control all of it. What should we do? Well, first of all, it needs to be regulated like utilities. It's, it's gotten out of control. The amount of censorship that's happening is unbelievable. I'm hearing about doctors, professors, you know, even liberals who are getting mistakenly uh, censored by their own people. So it, it's really, it's gotten too much. And the answer that you can just get off the platform is not acceptable. If you have a platform that's being used by, you know, a, a large portion of the country, 
like utility, you have to be regulated. And so I, I want to see regulators looking at everything Facebook does, including, you know, when they ban an account for posting too many things you know, that, you know, that has to be looked into by someone. Why not? Alex, okay, let's let's go down that hole. Who do we want? Do we want this to be a federal thing, a state thing? If it is a federal thing, do we want a new bureaucracy? Surely not. But maybe when two thousand one occurred, we, want we started. The, well, I'll tell you. When two thousand one occurred, we started the Department of Homeland Security. As we enter new futures, the undiscovered country must be met with new decisions, and these decisions have to stem around what is 2020? What is the world we're dealing with today? And this is a world dominated by big tech. And so we can't use rules and regulations from 20, 30 years ago in regards to society that just didn't exist today. So it, what we have today is very different from just 20, 30, 40 years ago. So we need a new department that oversees big tech. If any social media company has, you know, maybe X percent of the country or above as a user, it needs to be regulated. I, I you know. I'm a libertarian, so I'm not generally one for bigger government, but when I see abuse in the private sector, we must have government to ensure those liberties that were you know, presupposing government, as Alexander Hamilton said in Federal 78. So you know, they, they, you know, they presuppose the government. And so we, we're here to ensure those liberties. Okay, I, I, look, I'm not saying I disagree because I don't have solutions, none, none of them that I like. But again, let me ask, we have a federal bureaucracy now. Over 95% of these people are Democrats. We know they all voted for Hillary Clinton. I'm sure they all voted for Joe Biden when we find that out after. How is a new bureaucracy controlled by Democrats going to help us stop the big tech firm that's controlled by Democrats? No, it's a great point you make. And of course, at first, it'll be weak. And so you'll need another Republican president to push through lots of conservative members. And then, you know, they'll, you need that kind of cycle, political cycle, it'll bring in people from both sides. So no, at first it will be weak and it will be watered down because big tech is very powerful on the left, but it does need to happen. And you do have far leftists like Elizabeth Warren, whose views actually come around and, you know, are on the side of libertarians. And Elizabeth Warren wants to go after Facebook and she, you know, she's actually on the side of freedom of speech, which is amazing. I never thought I just, uh, I never thought I would agree with anything Elizabeth Warren ever said in my entire life. But, you know, I, I, I agree with her. Regulate Facebook and Twitter immediately. Okay, I've seen this before, too. Some really, really radical leftists are saying the same things that people on the right are saying. I'm assuming she's not coming at it from the same point of view you are. What's her argument? Her argument is just that she wants to, you know, break up powerful, you know, she just doesn't want too much power in the hands of any people. I don't think it's really about freedom of speech. I don't think she could care about that. What she cares about is just too much power in the hands of too few. You know, leftist governments generally want to have hyper control over all industries. And so it's odd for me as a libertarian to propose regulations since that is, you know, in direct contrast with the nature of being a libertarian. But unfortunately, you know, they, they've run astray to the point that they can't be controlled. And when you have 70, 60 percent of America on Facebook, I don't know what the number is, but it's something very high. You know, these rights need to be protected. And seeing so many of my friends get kicked off Facebook for questionable situations. Rebellion Research has had our own issues. We did an interview with General Petraeus where he taught a class for our viewers on leadership. 
and, and rebellion does no politics. We are originally an AI think tank that's now gone into military and space, but we do not touch politics. And this was purely leadership that General Petraeus taught that it was about 25 minute class we did online. And yet Facebook, you know, went nuts and at one point even shut down rebellion's site for 20 minutes because they thought it was a, a, a political post. And, you know, we, we had to get in touch with them and it was, it was a huge stress point for me as a, a person at a time when I was very proud to have General and former CIA Director Petraeus on our show, but it was, uh, it was quite an issue. And so some people have talked about blockchain as being the solution, but the problem with blockchain is you can't control blockchain. So then all of a sudden it becomes a free for all. And so people can break the law and do lots of nefarious activities. And so it just doesn't work. And also blockchain, by the way, I'm not a big believer in it. It's useful for like smart contracts, you know, for like Venmo, it's useful for all, you know, alternative currency and Bitcoin, but mostly it's just a, a not very good data set. It's really way overhyped. You know, it's, Alexander, uh, I, I have I have a bunch of people who are about 35 and older right now, and their eyes are glassing over. They have no idea what blockchain is. Act like I am a caveman who just emerged from the ice. Oh. Explain to me what blockchain is. It's so simple. It's imagine the NCAA tournament, except you know instead of uh, you know Mississippi and Kentucky, you have you know, uh, person A and person B doing a, a $10 transaction uh, on Venmo. And so blockchain is just a, a network, an open network, if you will. And so it's, you know, it's just like a, a smart tournament bracket of sorts. And so it's, it's open and you can see it and use it, but it doesn't offer any new technology. There's no breakthrough. There's no edge. Okay. There's no reason why it's better than anything else. It's not better than anything else. All, all it offers is transparency. And for these shady crypto players and you know, XRP and Ethereum and all of these shady things, they want open source and open view so that they can attract more capital. So as far, I actually talked to a lot of really smart friends about this. And my, one of my smartest friends from Caltech said, listen, in my opinion, blockchain started as a way to get more capital towards the alt currencies. Okay. Well, you learn something new every day on this show. All right. All right. So can we start our own? What, are, what do we do with that argument starting our own? I've seen parlors out there. I'm on parlor. Parlor seems to be I mean, fairly successful. Is that is that around? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily like want to retreat just, and leave the field of battle, but can, should, is that something we should do? I mean, you can try. A lot of people are hopeful that President Trump will start his own news network. A lot of people have felt that, you know, Fox has gone left. It's, it is true that Rupert Murdoch, though being a conservative, his children are not nearly his political persuasion. In fact, one of his children is a complete uh, leftist. So it's not, the second generation is not the same as the first generation. Fox is migrating to the left. And frankly, there, there does need to be a solution because at this point, I, you know, Fox will, will do what they can to keep their conservative viewers. They want to make their money, but their ownership is not what it was. And the deep philosophies that drove Fox for the last four decades are not there anymore. So, you know, as a conservative or a libertarian, you're really running out of media options, I have to say. And so, yeah, Parler is interesting, but the user interface for me was terrible. I lost interest in 30 seconds. And now I have to, you know, dance on eggshells on at, at Facebook. Everything I I do or post on Facebook, I'm worried I'm going to get frozen or have an issue, and you know, it's 
it, it's become you know a, a really censored environment. Uh, ab- George Orwell is absolutely rolling over in his grave right now with how America is in 2020. Alexander, appreciate you very much, man. Oh, my pleasure. You're awesome, Jesse. You too, bud. That was informative. All right, we got more. Hang on. We have to find some kind of solution, don't we? There has to be some kind of solution. And let me be clear here. Again, I'm the one who gives it to you how it is. Now, I'll never give you some fluffy version of something. I'm not going to try to give you doom and gloom. Here's how it is. If Joe Biden is sworn in as president of the United States, let's assume they have the presidency. Lord willing, we have the Senate. We'll see. They have the House. How much can we do to push back over the next four years? Probably not much. It may be batten down the hatches time. It may be hunker down. But let's understand something. When we're choosing future Republicans, we need to press them on what are you going to do about big tech censorship. I need to know that information before I will vote for another Republican. And you should know that too. Our party can no longer be the ho-hum, go-along, get-along party. We can't do it or we're not going to survive. All right. We'll do it again. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.